Welcome to That's My Personal Business, where we are pulling back the curtain on all things personal, all things business, and all things in between. Every Monday, we're hopping into your headphones to help you skip the learning curve by hearing from industry professionals, including myself. I am a destination wedding photographer turned business coach who now gets to lead hundreds of creative entrepreneurs in building lives of artistic growth, wealth, and freedom. And now it's time for you to do the same. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. How are you? How is the end of your summer going? Are you listening to August by Taylor Swift on repeat? You probably should be because it's slipping by. Nope, sorry. I actually, I thought I could get through that and I can't. We're not going to be making that pun. But welcome back to the podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you have been listening to all four seasons, three years, it's been a long time. I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited because today is one of my favorite interviews I've had in a really long time. It was so magical and amazing. We are talking comparison fatigue with Ellie McKinney. Obviously, this month, we are talking all about branding, the ins, the ins. Wow. The ins and outs of it. It's the end of the day. It's 5 p.m. when I'm recording this. Um, But just all these different facets and nuances of branding. And one of the ones that needs to be addressed is comparison fatigue and imposter syndrome and how that shows up in our lives and how that shows up in our business. And Ellie was so vulnerable and so beautiful and shared so many incredible thoughts that I'm so excited for you guys to dive into into this episode. Just as a little reminder before we dive in, calling all brands is back, obviously, to follow the theme one of our favorite courses ever, one of your guys' favorite courses ever, just a gigantic gargantuan gargantuan course all about how to build a personal soul-led intuitive brand that earns you the big bucks and helps you feel more fulfilled in your life and business. So we're opening it for the, I want to say the last time this year, we only open it twice a year. So that will be linked for you in the show notes. But for now, we're going to hop into this episode about comparison fatigue with Ellie McKinney. Get out your journals, take a lot of notes. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to communicate your brand to your ideal clients through copywriting, caption prompts, freebies, all of that good stuff. So I'm excited for you guys to be here next week for our final episode on branding. And for now, let's go ahead and get into comparison fatigue with Ellie McKinney. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this one. Hello, hello, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome Ellie McKinney. How are you? (laughs) So like my voice went 18 octave higher. I'm just realizing. (laughs) Welcome, Ellie. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to talk about all things industry, comparison fatigue, all of that good stuff. But before we dive in, for those who don't know you yet, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes. What's up, everyone? My name is Ellie McKinney, and I am a wedding photographer based out of North Carolina. I also love hosting workshops and mentoring and getting as involved as I can from an educational perspective which is why whenever Eden and I connected, I was so thrilled to be about this podcast because I am here for honestly everything you stand for, Eden. I saw the big shout out to vulnerability. That's huge. I don't think we could get as far without it. Um, And so I'm just excited to dig into this conversation with you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, for sure. So talk to me a little bit about like the beginning of your career. You're in North Carolina um, and your work is so beautiful and editorial, which I feel like oh, is thank you. Seen, yes, as often in like kind of the Southern states. So I'm tell us about like, how long have you been in business? How did you start? What's kind of like the journey been like? Yes. I uh, always have such a fun time telling this story because 
I actually started with a love for videography. I'm talking like little brothers rap music videos, you know, like oh, my heart. <laughs> we used to think we were doing big things on the streets of our small town. Okay. With these music videos, but no, I think ever since, um, I was like four, I made us record ourselves opening Halloween candy and giving reviews to the different types of candy we love. I love that. Yes. And then it transitioned into making commercials about saving the elephants. And then I started doing my little brother's rap music videos. And it's just, I think it's something um, that's so fair to say that while as creatives, we might not have been able to have the exact tools and resources we needed, we still were connected at something at a younger age. And so I think it's just sort of special that we have like the history with the craft that we now call a business that we get to think about where it started from and the cringeworthy moments that actually um, were the hype moment of wanting to do this. Yes. And um, as I I went to college and decided to work for a luxury fashion company right after college. I thought, you know what? Photography can be on hold. I can do it on the side. Um, ended up ignoring photography for three to four years, just straight focusing on my career and where I thought I wanted to go. And then becoming pregnant and realizing I'm working so hard for these other people. And I have a passion that people trust me with that I can turn into a career. Like, what am I doing? Um, ended up working harder for myself than I would anybody As you else, do. right? Yes. <laughs> we go through the same cycle. Um, and then realizing how to hone in on my craft and the things that I'm most passionate about so that I'm not pulled in all these different directions all of the time and can really focus on weddings and, um, you know, I did that through COVID and focused on weddings. And then all of a sudden, my little boy's going to kindergarten and we are going through some things where we're learning more about the way that his brain works and how he perceives the world a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And so while we're trying to manage understanding who he is as a kid and to fit his best needs, I actually started introducing some family photography into the mix um, that is actually going live this fall. But I wanted to be able to create the same artwork that I did for weddings for families. So it's very much a mix of non-traditional family photography, which has been so fun to start communicating to people because, you know, I think people think of family photography as having to get little kids to smile. And I actually, mm -hmm. I just absolutely want to capture the tears too. Like there's mm -hmm. no doubt that I just want people to be themselves in front of me. And so it's this wild cycle of doing all the things I could starting photography, nailing down a specific niche or niche, if you will, and then figuring out that it's okay to dig a little bit into multiple things. Okay. I love that. I want to follow that thread because I think one of the things can be really like, I'm like, wow, my thoughts, so many thoughts, but that none of them are <laughs> coming the out. Yeah. I'm like, nothing's <laughs> coming out because I'm just thinking everything out loud. But, um, I feel like, I mean, one of the things that I advise people, right. Is like niching down, like not confusing your clients. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions with that is that you can't do multiple types of photography when in reality, mm -hmm. it's like, 
they should all just be based in the same root. They should feel cohesive. They should feel, you know, I always think of like Kaylee from Kansas or in France. Oh, absolutely. Where yes. it's like their family photos feel just like their wedding photos. Like it's so clearly consistent, even though it's a different niche. Um, what has that journey kind of been like for you as you kind of like push this boundary of breaking out of your wedding photography niche mm. and kind of expanding into a different route that typically can feel very different. Yeah. Not to be dramatic, but I felt like I was like breaking up with myself in a sense. Like I thought I was um, breaking up with the photographer vision that I just knew I wanted to be for so long. Um, and I think it's fair to say that there's some different ways that I can navigate the direction of my business to still just focus on weddings and I've been just fine and to find more work-life balance. Uh, but I think there's such a connection that I have to my own kid as a mom. Mm. And there were moments in, you know, he's five, but whenever he was one or two or three, there are moments that were never photographed that I look back and I'm like, oh, if I just would have had that little tantrum face, like I die because he still makes the same face. And I just think it would be so funny to look back and show him um, you know, about the raw emotions that he has as a child and how he still feels the same thing, but how he manages them differently now. It's just, I, I just have this missed connection with a past self that I wanted to bring to the forefront in being able to offer that to people. And so I thought, okay, I have a choice. I can take the route of sticking with weddings. I'm really good at it. I know what to do. I know how to book it. I could charge more if I wanted to, um, or I could challenge myself. And because of my personality type, I knew I would be happiest if I challenged myself in a direction that was specifically linked to a passion that made sense to me and where I'm at in life right now. That is so beautiful. I think like the power like just the phrase like this was a misconnection with like a past version of me I think is so powerful and so beautiful how did you like when did you start noticing that kind of like creep up and like how did you kind of follow that line and direction of intuition because I'm like that's such a beautiful like you said you could have just stayed and done what's comfortable and like done what you know right. um but like how did that feeling start coming up and how did you kind of almost like lead with curiosity, but also courage in order to start doing something so different? I think from a vulnerability standpoint, before we started this conversation, I was like, Hey, I love vulnerability. So why don't I just share more of myself with you all? Okay. Why don't <laughs> we just like dig in? Um, whenever I first was doing family photography, I was not able to have kids on my own. So I thought, mm. and so we were looking at the adoption process and I, uh, had had six failed pregnancies before we had our little boy. So I had to mentally give myself a break from family sessions because I would just cry in my car afterwards and it had yeah. nothing to do with the family. Um, they were all just wonderful people and wanting to have their families captured. But I think that separation and the self growth of how I chose wedding photography to be able to show up mentally as much as I can for people kind of came full circle because I was ready for the growth and development that it was going to take to jump back into those. And so from understanding myself and what it was going to take and the mental capacity that it was just, that was going to need to happen to, in order to do family photography, I started to heal 
And once I realized that I'm never going to be completely healed to be able to start a new journey, that it is a pathway of healing and it is a journey that will never fully be ready for next moves and just understanding such a complex like thought process and topic to be able to shift myself to say, I know I'm not fully ready, but I want to show up for people in the way that I wish I would have had um, in capturing those little moments that I was talking about. And I knew I was the right person for it. And I think that's where it snapped for me, where I was like, I don't see anybody else paying attention to these things. I know I can show up in this way. I know it's going to be different and I'm ready to just give it a shot and to tell myself like, if I can't handle it, then I have somewhat of a game plan to be able to take a step back and to reconfigure. Um, but as soon as I jumped into it, I saw the difference that I was making in those families by not overly forcing posing or anything like that. And it just showed me that I was like in the right spot to be able to start taking this on um, as more of a main component in my business. Oh my gosh. One, thank you so much for sharing that. That was like yeah. so vulnerable and beautiful. And also I know just so personal. So thank you so much for being willing to share that. Um, I very different situation, but um, I had to take a break from weddings when I got divorced. Like that was a very like distinct, oh, like, yes, I can't, <laughs> I can't give this what I, what these people need no. right now. Um, and cause I remember same thing. I would be shooting weddings and I would have to take breaks in the bathroom and cry and then oh, go back out absolutely. and shoot the weddings. And, um, I've started taking on like Ran, like I have like one wedding next year that I'm just thrilled about um, and just kind of being okay with like maybe doing one a year when it calls to it. But it's been almost a beautiful, once I was healed enough, it was like this really mm -hmm. beautiful healing journey to then like go back into it and not be at a hundred percent. But like you said, just be like, this is also part of the healing process is learning to be a part of this again. So that's so beautiful. Like that's such a beautiful journey of like self and like artistic expression and like what a beautiful gift to get to give these families while also like giving yourself if I'm like, I don't know if that's the right way of phrasing it, but no, like, for sure. a beautiful like duality. And I think so many people can relate at some point in their life. A certain type of photography is not meant for us. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what portion, um, you know, what that looks like for everybody. But I think part of understanding that we are humans, there's more that is affecting us rather than us just clicking a button as much as we love that term. Um, so I think it's just something where the more that we can find ourselves, the future becomes more clear and it's okay to get lost in it a little bit and to have the unknown because without giving myself that separation, I don't think I would have been as equipped to be as good of a family photographer as I am now if I would have just stuck to the rules of what I knew but because of some of that pain I was pushed to push myself beyond what was known to be offered from family photography and really set up my questionnaires to be a little bit more personable asking the right things there's no way I would have known to take that direction if it wasn't for some of the things I had been through too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I love the idea and concept of like pulling your client experience, pulling your art from a place of self rather than like what everyone else is doing, because obviously right. there's <laughs> a lot to pull from in that regard, um, which I know we discussed 
talking about comparison fatigue. And I think that's like a beautiful like segue into that is that when I always tell like people, I feel like photographers kind of fall into two brackets. They like either got into it for the art or the people. Eventually I feel like you kind of blend into both, but I feel like there's that initial jump start of like either I'm doing this because I love photography or I'm doing this because I love people. Um, so true. But because of that, it's, it's always interesting to like see people's journey and the way that they experience what other people are doing in the industry or what they want to do within their own business um, dependent on like which one they kind of pull from. Um, do you know which one you started as? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, oh, whenever you're listening to this podcast, you already put yourself in a category. You know how you started. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was the people. I didn't even consider myself an artist until this year. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. I'm like, okay, tell us more about that. Yeah, so I did it so much for the people where it was this beautiful thing where I would get lost into whoever I was photographing, but I would lose a little bit of myself and be like, this should be edited this way. But then the next session was so moody. How could I not just like go full mood on this and be confused and not um, confident in myself enough to be able to call myself an artist. I went full-time in 2018 and it took me that long. (laughs) Like it took me till 2022 to be like, no, you're able to offer something. And I think that's where comparison fatigue really hit for me because I got into it for the people. I was pulling inspiration from so many other people's artistic abilities that it became overwhelming for me to understand what it was that I brought to the table specifically. That totally makes sense. And I also am like, I don't know if you came up with the phrase comparison fatigue, but I had never heard of it. I'm like, so <laughs> um, I love it because I feel like I always hear imposter syndrome which I feel like I've always felt like that somewhat describes it, but like didn't describe it perfectly. Whereas comparison fatigue, I feel like is the perfect way to describe it. Cause I'm like, it's exhausting. It's so tiring. So tiring. (laughs) It's like a full-time job to be looking at all of these other artists and being like, am I good enough? Am I like even doing anything right? Like um, I was telling a coaching client the other day, they were like, when do you get to the point where you stop doing that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) you tell me if you find out I don't know anyone yeah I was like I don't know anyone that doesn't do that like there are days where I'm like oh wow I'm such an artist and then there are days where I'm like have I ever taken a good photo like (laughs) who's to say um so okay so in the last year you decided and felt very comfortable calling yourself an artist but kind of what was the I'm like that's a lot of years to not feel that way about yourself what did that kind of look like for you was it a lot of like social media like what kind of led to your personal comparison fatigue yes I totally did not come up with comparison fatigue however whenever I heard imposter syndrome it just wasn't something that I connected to as much and so I just decided to make a whole mindset shift to comparison fatigue and that's whenever I really started to find myself in being able to have the confidence to call myself an artist I have been mentoring people, photographers specifically for years. And so it was, it was me helping them overcome it. And then Mm. in the own four walls of my room being like, but I'm still not. And it's just this weird toll that it can take where certain personality types are so into helping others that sometimes they lose themselves along the way. And that's where I was. I had invested 
um, so much time and energy into coming up with ways to help these other people. I didn't even realize I was sort of, you know, floating along in the background. And so being able to make time for myself and to have these mindset shifts for myself was the big deal. I don't think I would have ever come out and been like, no, I'm not an artist because, um, I'm the type of person who loves success. Like I crave it so much. If you're into Enneagrams, I'm a three. I was literally about to ask. I was like, okay, okay I'm a one, three, like a mix. So I'm like, that oh, makes perfect. Sense. So I'm the yes. same. I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't, have you taken Clifton Strengths test? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. One of my top five is c- competition, which like yes, I've never same. even met someone. Same. Okay. <laughs> perfect. Cause I'm like, everyone else like, like what's wrong like with us bottom 100 yeah it's like the bottom it's like 95 to 100 for them and I'm like no it's like literally a main driver is just like competing even if it's with myself um oh, so yeah. that can totally relate checks out with me yeah <laughs> so um I think that was one of the biggest things is that I was so set on being successful at whatever it, what it was. I was failing myself in ways that I didn't even realize. It's like we become so obsessive over the thought of success um, with our personality types that there are things being left unattended to that could majorly help our success if we just were able to not be so fixated on the one thing. And the one thing for me was just like the comparison fatigue. Well, I wanted everybody to know I was doing fine and that I could help them. And so in the mix of that, that's where I realized I wasn't giving myself enough time or credit in what I was going through slash who I was becoming as a business owner and being able to take a step back and really thinking about the mindset shift of appreciating how far I've come and what I put out into this world. It's like clients could tell me all day, but I wasn't believing it. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so making sure I had that mindset shift to be able to show up for my mentees in a bigger and better way. And same for clients too. How did you start making that shift? Cause it's like one thing, right. To be like, I have comparison fatigue. This is got it. <laughs> like Check. cool. Like we've got the recognition down, but like, I feel like everyone's journey through this type of subject, whether you want to call it imposter syndrome or comparison fatigue, whatever it may be, it's it's so different for everyone because it's it's so complicated, especially with mm-hmm. the access that we have to other artists at this point in time in this point of technology. Um, like I'm like, I could hurt my own feelings into retirement if I really wanted to. Like <laughs> yes. I have to be very intentional. So <laughs> what did that journey kind of look like for you? Yeah, I had to realize something was wrong. <laughs> first. Yes. And that was the hardest part of being like, oh girl, you're really caught up in the amount of grain somebody else has. Like, can we take a step back and see how much that matters? Like, <laughs> does it? <laughs> um, I feel that. Or, okay. Yes. It hurts a little. Right. Um, and these, uh, locations people were going to, and I'm from a t- small town. And so I even thought at one point I needed to move to a bigger city in North Carolina, just to be able to achieve some of those more destination slash luxury weddings that I was going for. Mm -hmm. Um, There was so much I had talked myself into that was not a necessity in the slightest. You can be a small town girly and do big ass achievements. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. there are things that um, I, I thought certain people from Portland or whatever, like super cool cities, they were doing these big things. And so for some reason, it just seemed like so out of touch, out of reach for me. And so then I had to take a second. I'm really into like 
journaling thoughts and I don't do it on a regular day-to-day basis. It's just like whenever I'm in this crisis of like, okay, like get it together. (laughs) What, what's going really well? What can you change? And so just being able to write down those thoughts and realizing that I'm achieving everything that I wanted two years ago. And I was just feeling a little bit lost because since I had gotten those things, what was next for me and confusing other people's success with my own, whenever Mm. I wrote down my own success, it literally had nothing to do with me moving to a bigger city or me taking on more destination weddings. It was work-life balance. That's what Mm. I, that was the success that I really wanted. And so thinking, okay, why all of these things that people are doing are so cool, like the coolest. I love them for it. I have to figure out what's cool for me to showcase that fits the direction of what I want to do in photography and then coming up with actual steps like, okay, these are the things that I want to showcase. Yes, I'm doing these other things, but I don't necessarily want to show it to society as a part of my business because it doesn't happen to help with the end goal and Mm -hmm. sort of reprioritizing where I should be I should not be agreeing to all of these styled shoots that I get invited to. I should not mm-hmm. be, um, you know, trying to create something brand new in a certain category if I already have something that works and just realigning mm-hmm. my time with what made the most sense. I love that. I think like the redefining of success is always like such an amazing one place to start when you're trying to like move through something like this in your work, but also like something to continually reevaluate. Like, I think mm, that's yeah. something too that people don't realize is it's like your priority priorities like should and will change. Like, like my priorities as a, you know, 27 year old are different than when I was 21. Like, obviously yeah. you would hope <laughs> so. Um, And so like that, that measure of success gets to change. I'm sure it would be the same, you know, if I had children or like anything like mm-hmm. that. Um. How have you, like, once you had set that new definition of success, how do you have like tangible things that you did to kind of put on your blinders to thinking about or like taking in other people's versions of success? Yes, I do this all the time. Um, I'm a big iPhone person. And so the notes section really saves me (laughs) in a multitude of ways. One of the things that I did is whenever you're scrolling on Instagram and you're going through these people's posts, you start to have like this in your gut feeling of disappointment, or I can't believe they did that. Or, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, how did they find the time to do that? It's where you start comparing yourself. And so stopping in that moment, I'm going to use the grain example because it's my favorite Mm -hmm. example because I feel like this was like the thing last year Um, is where you see somebody and you're like, well, I can't believe they put that much grain in their photo. Mm -hmm. Well, baby, you can too. (laughs) And if it bothers you that much to stop you from scrolling, that means you're probably inspired by it. And so Mm -hmm. being able to tell myself, oh, I'm actually... Any time that you're comparing yourself to the point of exhaustion, it normally means you're actually inspired by that similar thing. Mm-hmm. And so being able to flip that in my mind and say, okay, these things that are stopping me on Instagram, for example, from scrolling that I'm getting so caught up on, there's a piece of this that I look up to or can mm-hmm. invite into my own life or can showcase as a part of the direction I'm taking in my business And so that's what I started to do was this running list of things that I was inspired by 
in figuring out ways to implement that in my own business. So that comparison fatigue wasn't fatiguing, right? Like it was inspiring. Yes, it was more, oh, I love that. I think that's so beautiful. Um, I'm like, I'm going to have to start that. That's going to have to go as one of my yeah. 1 million notes, <laughs> <laughs> my iPhone. Um, but I remember like, it reminds me of something, someone, I'm like, can't remember who, uh, yeah. told me like several years ago in my career, I'm from Utah originally. Um, and so many talented photographers are from Utah. Like we yes. have like India Earl, Thai French, in frames photography, Blake Hogue, like so many people are from Utah. Yes. Um, and I remember when I was a little bit earlier on in my career, we're all about like the same age as well. And so it was really easy to be like, mm. dear God, how am I not doing that? Like, oh, how am I falling so short of these people's successes? Um, and someone told me they were like, instead of thinking of it that way as like this mm -hmm. thing that you're falling short of, try to think of it like as something that is now also a possibility for you. Like this person has raised the ceiling to a certain extent in Absolutely. a way that now you can reach that too. Like how cool is it that photographers can earn that much money or do this or do this? Um, and so now whenever, you know, whatever I'm doing, if I feel that feeling come up of like, I'm falling so short. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I not that good? Instead, so I'm like, wait, that's so cool that that person has reached that measure of success that I didn't realize was possible within our industry. And like, now I can work hard to reach, you know, that type of level if that's something I desire. Yeah. So good. It's and in both ways are so much of being able to take something that would normally tire us and to use it as motivation. And it's easier said than done. The first couple of times that you go through this, there's stupid things like grain that it's like, okay, just up the little slider. You'll be just fine. You know what I mean? No like, one, it's going to, it's not going to affect anyone. Yeah. <laughs> easy fixes or that somebody's using a prism and you never get the prism. Okay. $7 mm -hmm. on Amazon, put that thing in your little cart. Let's make it happen. Um, there there's pieces like that or film. There's like a $25 film camera DM us if you need it, that you can buy mm -hmm. and just start trying it to become comfortable with getting a more um, involved camera in the future. I think a lot of times that we see people doing things that we want to do, we can just think, well, we're not them when instead it can be, why not me? Like, why mm -hmm. couldn't I do that too? And mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I think if we're surrounding ourselves with people who have that same mindset, we then automatically can start to think in that way too. So me even shifting like friends in the industry um, was super important to my growth as well from a mindset perspective. Mm, I think, yeah, I'm like, it's very much the like five people you surround yourself with yeah. are like who you are. <laughs> um and I also think like that reminds me so much of I've been on this big kick lately of talking to my coaching clients about this and basically anyone that will listen is that yes. like, especially as entrepreneurs, I think it's so easy to get stuck in this like internal world where we just like think, 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 like you said, like thinking about that grain, thinking about that film camera. Um, and we stay so internal, but then also get frustrated that there's no results. And the big thing that I've been pushing people on lately and just having this conversation of is just like literally get into motion, like go by the camera, 
go up the film grade, like whatever it may be. <laughs> like, but just instead of just sitting there and like stewing on it, like take action. And who knows, maybe the film will suck. Maybe the grain won't look good on a photo, but you'll get to learn that. And then like take the next step after. And I think sometimes we get so obsessed and terrified of failing mm-hmm. that we just end up completely stagnant just in this little like internal world just mulling 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 and it becomes such a cyclical pro- like process of just being like I'm not seeing the success I want let me overthink this and because I'm overthinking this I'm not going to see the success I want because we're just we're not mo- we're not in motion we're just stagnant yeah there's and there's something so <laughs> It just hits so hard because we're in an industry that's ever changing. Like the new trends have come and gone before we know it. So if we don't take that first moment to try it, then we really potentially might not get a chance to really thrive into something we love or even to go back from that green situation. You do it on one of your photos and you're like, nah, that does look crazy. Like I'm not into it. And then mm-hmm. you just diss it for the rest of the time. And you are no longer caught up in somebody else's grain because you have decided that it wasn't meant for you. So without trying, we can't even overcome anything and get stuck in that cycle. Just like you said. I, yep. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay. So la- I'm like, I feel like we're going to have to have you on the podcast again. I have so <laughs> many questions, so many thoughts. I love talking to you. Um, I think comparison fatigue can be very twofold in the Mm. like one trying to fix it once you get stuck in it but then also to then push past almost like a sense of neutrality like maybe you reach this like neutral point of being like okay I'm not going to compare people I'm just going to like stay in my lane but then there's this point of passion pushing past it in a way where then we feel okay being different than these other people or like having something completely, you know, either never been seen before or very different than anyone or anything that you're aware of in the industry. How have you kind of like pushed past almost that neutrality and just and into just being very you and expressing that within your art and your craft and your business? Mm, I kind of come from the opposite end of it where I kind of have like this dark side of me, (laughs) dark humor, dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I'll share it anyway. But I'm, (laughs) I'm like, I, there's nothing new that I can come up with. Mm. And the reason that that thought actually helps me while it seems so awful to say to myself is because then I don't get bogged down of who I'm copying because I'm super sensitive to not trying to take somebody else's work. And Mm -hmm. so from the opposite perspective, I have to be like, you know what? photography has been around for a minute. We have a lot of good ideas. We have a lot of things that we've tried, but what can I be known for? So whenever I ask myself the question, what can I be known for instead of what can I come up with? I start Mm -hmm. to get on this like positive track of showing up more myself than ever, because I know I'm great with people and asking the right questions during questionnaires. I know that I'm really good at setting intentions before a session starts. I know that I'm really good with making people feel like they can be themselves. So that's how I consistently show up. Am I the first person to do those things? Nah, I know that and that's okay. Um, But what I do do is show up consistently and nobody can beat the consistency that I showcase in those areas. Oh, I love that. I also love just like the releasing of pressure that like there really are not new ideas <laughs> at this point. Like right. there's not. And maybe, maybe there are, maybe you're an yeah. idea person and you're like, have you met me? And that means that that's your journey. But for somebody like me <laughs> who struggled with being an artist, that mindset 
shift kind of helped with that Mm. positioning. Yeah. And I think like what's beautiful is like, even if you're doing something that isn't necessarily a new idea, the way that you're going to bring it to life is new because like, there's no one like you cheesy as it is. Um, but like, there's no one like you. So the way that you're going to bring to life an idea is going to be very, very different than the way that literally anyone else does. Um, and I think just releasing that pressure of like, Mm -hmm. I have to do something the world has never seen before, (laughs) which is crazy. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Um, and instead being like, yeah, what can I be known for? How can I do this in my own way? I think that's like such a beautiful shift in mindset. I'm obsessed. It's like ever since I changed to thinking that way, I can show up more and I don't get tired. I think whenever I was trying to keep up with all the trends, it was almost like, I can't work today because I literally am so overwhelmed in my own brain. I don't even know how to answer this email. And when answering emails gets hard for me, because I love communication, I know that that's when I need to take a step back and to really think about like what direction I'm taking and to find clarity of who I'm going to show up as in the next, you know, Mm. few months. Um, first person I've ever met that loves emails. Um, crazy. (laughs) Love that for you. What a blessing to love that. Um, but I also, yeah, I love the sentiment of like, know the things that you love and pay attention to when they feel draining. Cause that means that something has probably like fallen out of alignment and that's okay. But like, that's your opportunity to kind of write the ship. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Oh, well, this has been so amazing, Ellie. I'm like, we will have to have you on again. This was, <laughs> let's do it. So beautiful. So helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your knowledge and your vulnerability. It's I'm like so excited for people to listen to this episode. Yay. Oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. We will obviously link everything for everyone in the show notes, but would you mind letting us know where everyone can find you on the internet? Yes. No. So on Instagram, Ellie McKinney photography, and then on my website, Ellie I have a section for photographers. I'm the crazy one who loves email. So I write email templates for photographers, big surprise there um, and help people with communication and automating emails. So then that way it's consistent across the board for all of their clients. Um, and I love DMS. Like I said, I love communication and connecting with people. So Any questions about anything we talked about, you just reach out to Eden and I, and we're here for it. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Um, And yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 